0: Hi and welcome to the Final Whistle's Premier League Weekly presented by LiveNow. Mark Noble becomes the favourite for the Peace Prize award amongst Manchester United fans after an injury time penalty miss as Lord Lingard and Dave Saves combined to give the Red Devils all three points.
1: But it's not just the footballers grabbing the headlines because VAR bears its ugly hate again. We talk about officiating in the English Premier League in our Talk of the Town this week. And as Chelsea, Liverpool, Aston Villa and Watford all enjoyed impressive wins the past weekend, we run the rule over who stood up from a fantasy Premier League perspective in the Final Whistle Fantasy Radar. All that on this episode of the Final Whistle Premier League Weekly, presented by LifeNow.
0: Hi, I'm Deepan. And I'm Rafshan. Well, Deepan, what an enjoyable week of Premier League football. But ultimately, as we mentioned at the top, so much frustration because of the bloody men in black. And because we don't want listeners to think we are tainting this with our United goggles, we have roped in an external voice. We'll hear from former Crystal Palace and Portsmouth defender Craig Foster on his thoughts about VAR. But before that, deepen, I'd like to get your opinions on it. Honestly, I'm surprised it's taken five game weeks for us to start talking about VAR. But this past weekend, it wasn't just one, two, or it was actually three matches in the spotlight for bad officiating. We'll save the best for last, so let's start with Arsenal. Arsenal versus Burnley and that call to turn over the penalty that Ramsdale had given away for the foul on Vidra.
1: What's your thought on that? Correct decision? Uh, I actually think it was a correct decision. Uh, On first viewing, I I did think that it was a penalty uh, because I saw Vidra go down and and you know, when the keeper comes charging out, his legs... Uh, stuck out. You often think that it's a penalty, uh, but when I looked at the replays, uh, the the goalkeeper Ramsdell seemed to have a, a touch on the ball uh, when Vidra was going towards him. Yep. So I think that alone means that uh, it should not be given as a penalty. Uh, I, I do see though the 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 argument for it being a penalty. Uh, And that's why I find it quite funny when uh, people say that, oh, it can only be not a penalty and there's no discussions about it. Uh, You're not a VR expert. You're not a referee. Don't comment about it. I find that quite funny because I think that there is definitely uh, a reason as to why people think it is a penalty. Because when a keeper comes charging out like that, you are definitely bringing down
0: the attacker. Exactly. And you cannot tell me, honestly, Ramsdale knew he was going to get get the ball when he went into that challenge. He was just jumping in and praying for the best. VAR proved that he got a touch on the ball. I felt it was reckless. I'm not saying a penalty should have been given purely because it was reckless. But I'm saying decisions have been given in circumstances like that. Obviously, uh, with VAR, the referee consulted the monitor, and then once you see it in slow-mo, then you know, okay, he got a touch touch of the ball. But in real time, I highly doubt Ramsdale said, I'm going to get the ball here and he rammed out. That's my, that's my honest
1: opinion. Yeah, and, and you know what's the worry for me? The worry for me is uh, with all these people and mostly the Arsenal fans, right, saying that, oh, he got the ball so it, it should not be a penalty. So are you telling me that a goalkeeper can come out and clothesline someone in the penalty box as long as he gets a touch on the ball? Uh, that's fine. So I, I don't think it works that way. Right? So I think it's contextual. Uh, I think in that specific context, uh, the goalkeeper, Ramsdale, did get a touch, a clean touch on the ball which... Uh, veered the ball away from the direction. And from what I read, uh, it seems like um, if a defender, uh, a defensive player, and in this case, the defensive player is Ramzil, gets a touch on the ball uh, in a penalty incident, then the referee must go and look at the monitor to review his decision. So I think cl- uh, clearly because there was a touch on the ball, uh, the referee had to go to the monitor here. And I think he com- he came to a correct decision. But like I said, I can see why people would argue against it. Uh, And again, this is the beauty of football, right? I don't think anybody should have the right to come in and say like, oh, who are you to question uh, the referee and all? Because it's quite hypocritical because we as football fans, we often question the decisions that are made on the pitch. Uh, And if we we don't question it, so are we leaving it to just the the coaches, the managers, the the referees and all? So what are we here for? We shouldn't have this podcast, no?
0: (laughs) Dippen, hold that thought, hold that thought. We are only at incident one of three incidents over the weekend. So, I don't need to blow your load all over the first incident. So, let's move on to the second. Blow my load sounds uh, very (laughs) wrong, Raushan. (laughs) Well, I I do run the rated RR podcast. I expect (laughs) nothing less cheap. But anyway, let's move on to the second incident. Leicester City, they also were denied two goals being chopped off for offside and in very controversial circumstances, especially considering they were chasing the game, right? On both occasions, uh, midfielder Harvey Barnes, a judge to have, Blocked uh, Brighton's goalkeeper uh, Robert Sanchez, but replay suggests Barnes' influence on the two goals was open for debate. Again, what do you feel about this? And more importantly, do you feel the main issue? I know what I I feel this way. The main issue is the inconsistency in officiating, as opposed to just poor officiating. Yeah,
1: yeah, spot on. I I think
0: this is the main issue because I can clearly... Your question, see- bro. Don't say spot on all this was your work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't expose me like that. No, I, I, I do think that this is the main issue because I can definitely see in the game weeks to come where a very similar incident happens and the goal is given uh, because that VAR referee or the main referee will interpret it as, oh, it's not uh, impeding the goalkeeper and, you know, therefore uh, it's okay. Or, or otherwise, we would never know what to expect from the referee. So this is the problem. To me, I think when it impedes a keeper, you will definitely know for sure. If he's at the side of the goalkeeper where he's not in the direct line of vision, which was the case for at least one of the goals that, that, that uh, was chopped off, I think you should just let the play go on because you're not in the direct line. How are you interfering with play? So I do feel Leicester will feel aggrieved uh, and, and and this is a problem. I do foresee or fear that someday uh, this will be a decision that goes against Manchester United, for example. Uh, and then, you know, we'll be even more uh, angry when it comes to a decision like that because it's one of our teams, right? But I do, do really feel for, for Leicester uh, and this is an area of the game where they definitely need to do something about it. Uh, put in a black and white rule where uh, you can put in terms of numbers or, or contextual numbers that, okay, he's uh, in this sort of distance uh, yeah, the In a radius, yeah. yeah. In, a, in a radius, like you said. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. It, it should not stand. But if you're just at the left side of the keeper where the keeper still has a direct line of sight, uh, I think it shouldn't be a problem.
0: I'm with you. And just to address the whole issue, for me, it's also about the inconsistency of officiating. You know, at the Euros, throughout the tournament, VAR got such a good name. It almost made me forget all the VAR hullabaloo from last season. Because it was so well conducted and taken taken to the pitch. But then Premier League, five games in, already up in arms about VAR. And it's only game week five. We still got 33 game weeks to go. So my point is, it needs to be more consistent across the board. Cannot be different referee, different style. Cannot be different game week, different style. And to your point, you need certain parts of the game need to be black and white. Therefore, at least there'll be clarity. And I think we'll hear about it later, but perhaps we can be privy to what the referees listen in their ear and I think that'll be quite fun. And now yeah, I want to move sure. on to the final game. Manchester United against West Ham. Don't be too passionate. Try and put your red goggles aside for this one. At least three times, Cristiano Ronaldo should have, could have, would have got a penalty. There was also that challenge on Suchet trial from one Bisaka. So it's not just... The United angle we're going to talk about. We want to talk about the West Ham angle as well. Last season, we all wanted to see a a less stop-start game. Now we got that, but at what expense? And do you think there was a reluctance from the referee, I think it was Atkinson, to go to the monitor for some reason? Or was it Ronaldo's reputation preceding him and therefore he didn't get the result or the penalty even?
1: Yeah, I think, um, like you mentioned, I put aside my red goggles, so so I'll be very clear. Uh, this was one incident where I saw um, in live action in terms of the game when it was going on, and I thought that uh, it seemed like one Besaka uh, was not at fault. It seemed like Suchek was leaning in. But on replay, on watching the replay, to me, it was a penalty. Because one mm. Besaka was, again, reckless in the box, diving in at that sort of an angle. I think it has to be given a penalty. But like you said, right? I needed a replay to confirm it. But the referee has the benefit of a replay. He needs the VAR referee to tell him, uh, look, I think you've got to go and look at this incident again. Yes, I know it's going to be stop start, but these are deciding moments in a game. And same thing for Cristiano Ronaldo. I actually believe that at least two out of the three chances, uh, or rather the calls that were made against him uh, to not give a penalty were actually penalties. Uh, And again, yeah, you you talk about reputation preceding him. Uh, I agree. I think that comes into play. But this is, uh, I think it was Kufal. Kufal, Mm, his knee out and there's an impact there and Ronaldo goes on. And again, when you slow it down and all, yeah, it it looks very different. But you talk about someone running, you know, into the box, um, a, a, a sudden sprint, a sudden movement, and then he trips on something. He's going to go flying. Of course. If I come running yeah. at you and you stick out your knee and if I collide into you, I'm not going to stand still. I'm and that's definitely
0: you. going down. And that's you running at me. Imagine Ronaldo running at his mad pace at yeah. somebody in the box. What, what do you touches. mean by "I running is different or what? <laughs> no, I'm just saying Cristiano Ronaldo is a specimen of a man at 36. I and know some people I call me a
1: specimen also lah.
0: <laughs> Back no, but, to Ronaldo. But, yeah. but, but that's the
1: point. So, uh, sometimes we see this whole narrative about oh, uh, he should have gone down, you know, he would have got a penalty. But here is a challenge where the guy sticks out
0: his knee and he goes down and you don't get a penalty. I have a question for you. If three times Ronaldo went down in a box, none of them were a penalty, why then did he not get a yellow card for diving? Of you yeah. tell me all three what accident. If yeah, he has to get point. a yellow card what? Perfect for perfect diving? Point. And
1: and and Raushan this is the, the the another point I would like to make. Uh, I'm not saying that Cristiano Ronaldo is the, is the pastiest of players and he would have definitely get a shot away and whatsoever. But he clearly has the beating of Kufal there. He clearly has the beating of Zuma in the third incident. Why on earth would Cristiano Ronaldo want to go down when he could probably stay on his feet and get a shot away? And, and we've seen in the Premier League and the Champions League this season, goalkeepers are waiting to give Ronaldo the goals. <laughs> Exactly. So, so I think Ronaldo... And to be fair, been...
0: if he got the penalty, you he won't get the goal because I assume Bruno will take the penalty. So, if anything, Ronaldo has selfish reasons to want to finish the chance rather than fall in the box for no reason, right?
1: Yeah, fair point. And, and that's why I don't understand. And sometimes, uh, I, I do feel that more can be done in terms of letting viewers, uh, fans in the stadium, fans watching home, uh, to know more about why a certain decision was made. So, Uh, In that particular incident, maybe, you know, if a broadcaster were to play the kind of audio that the referee is receiving and the VR tells the referee, oh, look, uh, it seems to be a dive. I don't think you should look at the VR monitor. I I think we'll get a better understanding. We won't be here, you know, complaining about those incidents. Uh, And and that's why I think I got on the phone and I've called uh, a a good friend, uh, Mr. Craig Froster, to come in and give us his opinion because he's from Australia and in Australia they use Uh, the VAR as well in their domestic league. And in their domestic league, they've also used uh, the audio from the referees' conversation and they've put it on social media uh, for people to listen in on. Uh, So it's my great pleasure in introducing to the show, Mr Craig Foster. Thank you for coming on to the PL Weekly Show. I just want to ask you from your perspective, of course, you are quite familiar with the Australian League. Uh, Sometimes I see on social media that they do uh, share clips of the referees' conversations Uh, With players, with coaches, in terms of how a decision is reached. Do you think the English Premier League could have more or something similar to that?
2: Yeah, I do. I I think it's been really positive here. Um, There has to be a limit. And, uh, you know, there's this balance between, you know, sporting integrity and also the traditions of the game. And then, you know, your broadcasters and often broadcasters, and we've seen this here in Australia, that broadcasters are constantly trying to push the barrier uh and get players uh and others the coaching staff and everyone like for many Hmm. broadcasters it was up to them everyone would be wired (laughs) (laughs) that's the reality right because their mentality is well put a microphone on them and let's let the audience hear it and controversy is good for ratings and drama yeah yeah drama but um of course you don't want um, people often in the most tense competitive situations to be communicating elsewhere. And, and also, you know, the teams should be communicating privately within themselves uh, so that other people at home and therefore the other team don't know. So there has to be always a balance and, and uh, you know, we've, we've just seen a, a, quite a number of times here in Australia that this concept of entertainment, which often comes out of us, you know, cause you've seen the NFL, how how it works right uh you know that's often seen by broadcasters as the uh, holy grail is because everything's basically open to the public but that's because it's stop-start, and you've got minutes on end so they've got to talk they've got to open up the conversation with the broadcaster to the fans because otherwise you just sit in there for two minutes you know and it's just it's constant stops this has been one of the issues with the transition of course to var The game has had to find the balance between uh, between, um, stoppages in play on moments when it's really critical that the appropriate decision is made and the flow of the game, which means that you have to recognise sometimes that not all decisions are black and white and there still will be contentious decisions. And what the problem with VAR was it gave the game for the first time a tool and an opportunity to try to be accurate on every call. And then what happened is the game then started to say, well, geez, we can use this more and more and more and more and more and more (laughs) and more. And two problems ensued. One was that we found, okay, the stoppages are way too long. So a couple of years ago, the VAR stoppages in in the A-League were, you know, huge. And, uh, you know, people started to say, come on, this is, this is not football, this is cricket. Huh? Um, <laughs> and, and the other thing was um, that, uh, of course, even when you use the VAR, very often they realize it's still contentious. Yeah. You know, some VAR vision, actually, you can't tell. You know, yeah. and you can, like, how many VAR situations have you had where you you would have the different uh, different opinion to me? <laughs> like, we saw <laughs> one the other day with uh, Manchester yeah. City and, uh, you know, and the right fullback who came back and, you know, a penalty was given and then rescinded.
1: Yep, Kyle Walker. Oh, Kyle Walker. Yeah, Walker, yeah. 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 yeah, Kyle
2: Walker. I mean, you're still, the people who were on uh, broadcast at that time might have been BBC that I saw, yeah. they're still not agreeing on it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that actually is the beauty of football, you know, everything, when it comes to these moments, everything is not black and white. And this Mm. is what, uh, you know, this is what leaves us talking about the game, you know, basically forever. It was supposed to be used, you know, mostly just for red cards and uh, you know, the ball over the goal line and or offsides. But we started to use it too much. and, And I think in Australia, in recent season or two, you know, started to back away from a little bit and just become much more skilled, uh, you know, at its application and also uh, consistency in terms of decision.
0: So what you touched on there, consistency, I think that's my biggest gripe with VAR, honestly, because if it's yeah. black or white, I'm fine with that. We know. But yeah. there seems to be a lack of consistency between referees, between games, and I think that's what riles most, people's, most people up. Just putting your club allegiances aside, if there was consistency match to match, then there wouldn't be so much confusion almost.
2: So if we accept that even on VAR instances, there is some grey area and we can't always agree on, on what is the appropriate decision, at least what we're asking for as football fans is consistency of when you use the VAR. Okay? That to me is the most important thing. If we all say, look, every time the following things happen, the referees are going to use the VAR and we can at least understand, look, on that one, I don't agree with the VAR dude, but I understand. But but when they use the VAR on different instances and you see the same instance in the next game and they don't go to VAR, that to me is when the problem is. Because then fans go, well, (laughs) like how? You know, in the last game you used it and now you don't use it. So it has to be really consistent in the application of when to bring it into play. Then at least we can all accept that, you know, sometimes we won't agree on what the outcome of it is, Uh, but that's really important.
1: Totally agree with you, Craig, but I'm interested to find out uh, if there was VAR in your playing days, uh, do you think you'll be for (laughs) it or against it? (laughs) Uh, Good question.
2: Well, I would have think, I think I would have been for it. Definitely. I was a midfielder. I wasn't a defender. I'm not sure as a defender, if I would have been, but um, my view would have been, I just want every opportunity to make sure that if that referee is going to cost us, give something against us. Mm -hmm. um, I want to make sure that it's correct. Okay. Um, And I would have been more concerned about that than about our, you know, in attack saying, look, well, you know, I, I, I like the VAR so that we can make sure we are on side or I'd be the other way. I'd be saying, listen, you know, if someone scores a goal against us and it's offside, um, then, you know, that's what really upsets you as a player. Yeah. You know, yeah. or they give something, the ball across the line when you don't think it was across the line. Or yeah. someone, you know, we always used to go, the guy's offside. You just let the guy, you know, like the ref, the assistant referee, the linesman, we used to call them. You know, and you forever be going. You're crazy. What are you doing? How can you not, how can how can you not say that's offside? You can't even see it, right? And it's, you know, to be honest, um, you know, you never kind of went back and and really had a had a very clear look. But um, you know, to have the VAR in those moments, so that you would know as a player that if someone gets past us or we concede a goal, at least you know that that's happened or we're only going to have someone sent off, you know, in the right circumstances and so on. You know, I would have uh, absolutely loved that. I wouldn't have liked the stoppages. I wouldn't have liked the breakdowns in play and so on. But I would have liked the fact that if something happened that's going to break open this game, either for for us or against us, I want to make sure that it's bona fide. I would have thought that's good.
0: Let's just stick to the topic of referees. This week, we'll see your fellow compatriot, Mr. Jarrett Gillett, become the first non-English referee to officiate an uh, English Premier League game. I think he's taking charge of the Watford against Newcastle game. Any thoughts on that, Craig?
2: Well, um, I hope he, uh, you know, does a good job for Steve Bruce because he's really having a shocking <laughs> time there at <in> Newcastle. <laughs> so, um You know, Steve, Bruce could really do with some decisions going his way. That's for sure. As could the Newcastle fans. I'm just joking, of course. Jared's a brilliant referee. He's done a marvellous job. Everyone's very proud of him here in Australia. You know, uh, that's a huge step up. And and it's exactly what should be happening. You know, I I often say in football that, you know, football is not just Europe. It's not just Champions League. It's not just, uh, you know, the now eight winners of the World Cup. It's everyone else. It's you. It's us. Uh, you know it's all Asian nations, uh, it's all African nations, and too often the rest of the world is disregarded and or mm. seen as incapable. And uh, when given the opportunity, uh, people like Jared Gillett will you know represent all of us being non-English, if you like. Um, I think extremely well. Uh, and just demonstrate that, you know, ultimately this is the global game and everyone has a right to participate in it, including at the top level there. So to come out of our domestic league and have the experience there, of course, in Asia and and so on as well, uh, is very, very important, Uh, you know, symbolic to all young referees there, all young referees around Asia, you know, get your experience in your local competition you know, go to Asian Cups and, uh, you know, and Junior World Cups and other things and and continue to build. And if your dream is to get to the top as a referee, then Jared Gillett demonstrates you can do so. I think it's amazing for him. I congratulate him.
1: Wonderful, Craig. Thank you so much.
2: If he messes it up, I don't want to know him. (laughs) 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 Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Thank you so much for joining us on the Premier League Weekly Show. Uh, Thank you for your insights. Thank you and the pleasure is all mine. Alright, that
1: was former Crystal Palace and Portsmouth midfielder Craig Foster weighing in on his opinion with, uh, in terms of the VAR, the refereeing and officiating in the English Premier League. But let's now move on to the results from the past weekend. And of course, in the live now featured game of the week, Liverpool were 3-0 winners over Crystal Palace. Roshan, Salah is spurring. He really no, is. No Alexander-Arnold, no problem. No Robertson, no problem. How impressed were you with Liverpool from this game?
0: Klopp, no specs, also no problem. (laughs) Really impressive, really impressive. I'm going to answer your question, but before that, it's time for trivia. And it's related to Liverpool. We saw Mo Salah score. Mm -hmm. And then we saw him take off his shirt to celebrate. Yes. And he's done that more than a few times. Yes. Jürgen Klopp even addressed it in the post-match. My question to you on trivia today is, of the yellow cards Mo Salah has received, how many have been for removing his shirt during a celebration?
1: where are you find these questions
0: <laughs> if I tell you I thought you were gonna
1: ask you know how many times has uh, Salah scored a brace in the League? last or something? week you say
0: uh, my question always two stats related so I went for the without a shirt choice I mean if I had a body like Mo Salah I also take off my shirt all the time
1: I think I can tell you how many times I take off my shirt uh, at home okay uh, your but- home or <laughs> it better be my home uh. <laughs> uh, Salah I think I will go for four times oof close but wrong I will try again later. Okay. But moving back to the game. Yes. Uh, and you and you talked about Salah. Um, again, I I I've always thought that, you know, the narrative around Salah is always about how um he's someone who was a one-hit wonder. Um he's not gonna get you the the goals when the going gets tough and all. But right now, I can safely say that he's the main man for Liverpool. Would you agree with that?
0: I'm surprised you're saying that considering you've left him out of your FPL team all season long. No, no, no jokes. But he he really... I relented putting the armband on him because I'm like, no lah, there are better options. Mm -hmm. But week on week, I'm inclined to think Mo Salah is your go-to guy for the armband because he delivers. He always delivers. And now that... I know you took a gamble to put your armband on Alexander Arnold and it didn't really work out and it does look like Klopp will be employing a bit of rotation because I thought the two fullbacks who came in Covered really well. Yeah, I thought uh, Milner had a good game at right back. Maybe Alexander-Arnold might have done better in the final ball, but Milner got himself into good positions. And one thing with Milner is he's always going to show you heart. So there's rotation there. And Simikas came in and did really well at left back as well. But this Liverpool team, the thing about them is, I think they look like the Liverpool team we saw two seasons ago. Yeah, the title-winning sure. yeah. team again. Yeah. And that's the Van Dijk effect that I guess Liverpool fans have been crying out for so long about when... It happened last year, he was injured. I was like, how much can one player make you lose your way this much? But it's clear, Van Dyke has come back. And I think we talked about the impressive covers on the wingbacks, fullbacks. And I think Van Dijk's presence in the middle of the park, in the middle of the defence even, has a big knock-on effect for this Liverpool team. Yeah. And that's, sorry, but that's an impressive number of goals they've scored against Crystal Palace. 16 goals scored, nil conceded in their last four games against Palace. So, they have won over Palace in recent times and they just continued.
1: Yeah, and I think in terms of the the fullbacks, um, I think if Alexander Arnold was not ill, he would have started and I don't see him being at a risk of rotation because I think Simikas has started the season on fire. Uh, no reason to leave him out but of course, you've got Robertson there. So, I think in that sense, rotation, you know, it makes sense but uh, I think James Milner, he's a steady uh, right-back option, but he's no Alexander-Arnold. Uh, and like you said, I, I went for him uh, in terms of the captaincy. And actually, Liverpool were attacking a lot down the right, uh, giving uh, Mitchell from Crystal Palace lots of problems. So,
0: Who I thought looked half-decent, by the way, Mitchell. I mean, the scoreline flattered Liverpool slightly, mm-hmm. but they took their goals well, and that's all you you need to do in the Premier League, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. But But I think Liverpool, to me, along with Chelsea... Uh, look like the team to beat this season again. Mark, yeah. uh, after a uh, you know, not-so-great season last year, uh, but right now Liverpool are looking like the force of old. Uh, moving on to the rest of the games in the English Premier League, of course, uh, the weekend's action started with Newcastle against Leeds United. We talked about this and being a, a must-win game for Leeds United because, you know, the season hasn't got off to a good start. Uh, in this game, I think the first half alone was uh, a tremendous watch. I think both teams were going at it. But when you look at it now... Um, Newcastle, I think they were there for the taking but Leeds were not able to get one over the line. Do you worry for Leeds here?
0: Early days yet, a bit harsh to say worry but if they wanted to build on last season's strong showing, they certainly have got off to a wobble. I think they need to get results and they need to get it soon. We said the same thing last week and to your point, I completely agree. Newcastle, who are Newcastle to be honest, they were there for the taking mm-hmm. and I feel, I don't think it's time to panic for Leeds but at some point, as great as Bielsa is, there will be some pressure. Because ultimately, if things continue in this way, then they'll find themselves in the relegation zone, bottom three, so on and so forth. And then it might get difficult. So the sooner they turn things around to at least put in get a couple of important wins for confidence, and then they can continue in the Leeds way, and then they'll be fine. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, moving on to the next game is, of course, Wolves. At home, going down 2-0 to Brentford. Let me down, uh, bro, Wolves. We, Let me down. We were talking about Wolves and saying, you know, they have been really brilliant to watch and finally got a win uh, the previous weekend. So we thought it's a natural thing that they will go on to win this game and then the win, uh, win the subsequent fixtures. Uh, but they went down to Brentford, who themselves have not been awful at all. They have been good in their own regard. Uh, got the season off to win against Arsenal. And once again, they look good here. And good in the sense I thought they controlled the game. They uh, didn't need to go all guns blazing, but still were able to get a comfortable victory over Wolves. And the two guys that most people might <laughs> have started their fantasy Premier League season with, uh, M Buomo and uh, Ivan Tony, uh, registered K. some Mark significant Trumps, yeah? points here mm-hmm. for for Brentford in terms of uh, just not goals, but also from an FBL perspective. Do you see Brentford actually surprising lots of people in this season's Premier League
0: I I think they they need to be taken seriously at least because of the teams that have come out they have given themselves the most uh, plaudits in terms of their performances. Uh, I think the Arsenal result, many people thought, oh, yeah, opening day, it was a sort of a freak result. But apart from that, they might not have got the result, but they got a couple of good performances in. And I think that culminated in the 2 0 win over Wolves. So to answer your question, I think, yeah, people need to sit up and take notice. Having said that, I look at Brentford's upcoming fixtures. They got uh, Oldham in the Cup. Let's not talk about that. They got Liverpool in the league. They got West Ham. They got Chelsea and Leicester. So maybe that's the the, the baptism of fire for this Brentford side. And then. From there, they will build from there. If I'm Brentford, I look at those results, I'll be happy with anything, any point, anywhere. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. all four teams I mentioned, Liverpool, West Ham, Chelsea, Leicester, are uh, big teams, so-called, in the Premier League. So for Brentford to go up against them and get something, that would be impressive and that would continue what they are trying to build on.
1: All right. Uh, I'll move past the next two results, but of course, Watford uh, won three-one against Norwich City. Norwich getting off to quite a bad start in the Premier League this time around again.
0: Sorry, Watford fans, Fabrizio Romano included.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, Burnley went down one 0 to Arsenal, and we talked about the incident earlier. Got no for, time a bit. for Arsenal fans, bro. <laughs> Ooh, I, like I say, one day when you're walking out the studio, some Arsenal fan going to assassinate you. Bro. The Arsenal fan silver. <laughs> And then in the next result, uh, Manchester City at home, drawing nil-nil against Southampton. I'm sure not many expected this result at all. Uh, And it proves my point in terms of what I was saying earlier. Uh, I think in the previous episode, I do feel that Manchester City might get found out uh, when teams are going to stop them in terms of getting chances in and around the box. And this game, if you re- if you watched it, was crying out for a predator in the box. Someone who was going to make that run in behind the defender and he didn't have that in this game. Uh, but kudos to Southampton for doing well. Uh, next was... Everton's party has come to an end you would say because Aston Villa at home demolishing them 3-0 it
0: was a must win for Aston Villa I said this on last week as well I think Aston Villa for what they are trying to achieve with the transfers they made this was a, a, a opponent of their calibre mm-hmm. in terms of who they are going to compete with so it was an important result for Aston Villa and I think Everton will be okay. I think they'll bounce back. Squadline flatters slightly, but Everton have enough in them to not go on a wobble after this. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, I talked about them in the previous uh, segment where we were talking about the decisions that went against Leicester, but ultimately they did still go down 2-1 to Brighton. Uh, Tottenham went down 3-0 to Chelsea. Um,
0: Chelsea look very good, bro. There's an F word that comes to mind when I think of Chelsea. Fantastic. or Frightening. They really look frightening, man. They're, I mean, to bring on Angolo Kanté, who's uh Ballendo nominee for the past few years mm-hmm. off the bench, is just Tuchel's in-game management is next level. It's really he address he sees the issue and he addresses it straight away. And I think Chelsea, if any team finishes above Chelsea they win the Premier League. That's my opinion.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, speaking of in-game management, of course, Jesse Lingard came off the bench to give Manchester United all three points uh, in a 2-1 win against West Ham. Um, We're we going to go on and on about this problem that United have. But once again, especially when you realise that Suchek and uh, Declan Rice did have a half-decent game for, for West Ham. I, I was impressed by Declan Rice as usual. Um, it's not so much about uh, what he does in the attacking end of the pitch or what he does on the defensive end of the pitch. is just how he controls the game, how calm he is. And McTominay and Fred don't do that for me yep. uh, at the end of the day. And I think uh, when you play for Manchester United, I think there are standard barriers in terms of who plays in midfield. And I can think of uh, Michael Carrick when Declan Rice comes to my mind. When I think of uh, Fred, I'm not sure what or who comes to my <laughs> mind. And there's certain things that I do not like to say or, on a podcast, but Fred really frustrates me. Uh, McTominay, I think when you put him next to Fred, because you're so focused on Fred and, yeah. and frustrated with him, McTominay at least looks half decent for me.
0: In my opinion, I felt McTominay was rushed back. He didn't look 100% up to speed, but he's the sort of player who's going to get himself about anyway. And expedited by the fact that you have someone like Fred who... You know, every time I watch Fred, every pre-match, people message me, how is Fred still in this lineup? How is... I?" I feel like give the guy a chance, like, give the guy a chance. By half time, I'm like, no, la. no. no but, but, chance, but you see, this is right. the problem. Yeah.
1: I, I say the same thing as well. Why is Fred in the lineup? But if there's no Fred, there will be Matic. And then if there's Matic. Who came on and assisted the goal. so... Yeah, but, but then in those games that, you know, the games uh, run past him, we will complain about his lack of mobility. Yep. Uh, and that is the problem with United. You don't have a proper, genuine number six who can destroy and distribute for Manchester United and to me if you're calling United title favourite you cannot look past that problem
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Michael Carrick who to my recollection has the nickname Dishwasher Mm -hmm. because of the way he gives you the ball back cleanly no matter how dirty you give it to him and that's the sort of player United are crying out for a couple of episodes ago you said United are a donut and that analogy stuck with me because there is a gaping hole in the middle of all their goodness and yes United were lucky to get their necks over the line but Having said that, as we spoke about earlier, there were some ridiculous decisions that mind-boggling that they didn't go their way. Because if either one of those went United's way, we'll be talking about a bigger scoreline that perhaps would have been fair. Yeah, and that's the problem, right?
1: Because I saw uh, a few opposition fans saying that United got lucky uh, that Noble missed the penalty. But I think if United had been given at least two of the penalties, and look, We saw, um, uh, I think it was a Times UK article that came out and said that uh, the referees had a meeting and and they agreed that at least one of the three uh, penalty decisions that Ronaldo... They're all
0: professional referees, huh?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And they said that, you know, one should at least be given as a penalty. So, if United had a penalty, I think the game would have been dry by then. Uh, Home Home and dry, dry, exactly. Home and dry by then. So, I think... uh, I don't think United got lucky. I think they were deserving of a victory here. But certainly problems to look at when it comes to Manchester United... Uh, All right, Roshan, it's time to round up the weekend action by looking at some FPL standouts. The final whistle,
2: Fantasy Radar.
0: Yep, this is the Fantasy Radar where we look at who impressed us. Deepan, let's start off with you. Who caught your eye? Not Mo Salah, apparently. Uh, Who caught your eye?
1: Besides my girlfriend, uh, (laughs) this week, to me, it was Ismaila Sa. Uh, who's coming in at 6.1 million on the Fantasy Premier League. Uh, What I like about him is the advanced positions that he takes up on the field for Watford. Uh, So in this particular game, you had Emmanuel Dennis, who's in a lot of people's uh, Fantasy Premier League teams. uh, And you have Joshua King up front for Watford. And what I really like about Watford is the fact that um, they are ready-made side for the Premier League in terms of how they play because uh, they're not too fancy. They know that in the Premier League, you can get plenty of goals on the counter and they stick to that to that, to that uh, philosophy, I would say. Um, and to me, the two games that are coming up for them, it's Newcastle at home and then Leeds, who, you know, can't deal with a counter attack. So I'm looking at Ismail Sa, who impressed me in the past weekend. Uh, he was a leading uh, player in terms of shots on target with five uh, and all five were from in the box. Uh, 15 points from him alone. I think he had uh, two goals and I think one assist if I'm not wrong but uh, league lead uh, or rather the week leading points that was 15 XG of 1.98 uh, again first uh in, in the whole league for that week so I think he was worth his points last week Um, and with Newcastle and Leeds coming up definitely a player uh, that's on my radar and that should be on your radar
0: for me I'm going to pick out a defender I mean surprise surprise but it's Takahiro Tomiyasu I think he's coming to the Arsenal team and It's not surprising that they've got two clean sheets. Okay, not the biggest of oppositions they've gone out to get those 1-0 wins against, but I feel he's made that right-back position his own, you know, in terms of winning the ball, in terms of taking the team forward. I think he had odd chances as well in the last game. And at 4.5 million, I feel he's possibly a good addition to the back line, at that price especially. And when I look at Arsenal's fixtures, yeah, they got the North London Derby coming up, but then they got Brighton, Crystal Palace, Villa, Leicester, Watford. And as surprised as I am when I say this, I think those are winnable games for Arsenal. No? So, Takahiro Tomiyasu, for me, will find his way into my team.
1: And with his stature, I think he definitely goes up for set pieces. Uh, he might nick a goal or, or two, exactly. we, we never yeah. know. Uh, moving on to my second pick of the week. Uh, I'm going for two players here, in fact, actually, uh, both from the same team. So, two for the price of one. Yep. it's a matter of whether you're brave enough or you're going to be a bit more safe. Uh, And that's Adam Armstrong at 6.0 million for Southampton. And someone else who's at 5.0. What is
0: 6.0 million,
1: bro? (laughs) Six million? Six million lah. <laughs> Must emphasise, okay, ma. Six point okay. oh million. <laughs> okay. uh, and the other guy is, of course, Armando Broja at five point oh million. Southampton also, right? Southampton also. Okay. So so the reason I say it's a it's a matter of whether you want to be brave because at this point, I'm sure plenty of FPL managers have got Lukaku and uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo in their teams. And, and f- you have Salah as well in your team. So that's three premium players. So you need to have a bit of a low budget player somewhere in your team and Broja at 5 million, I think it's a bargain. Yes, he has not started any games for Southampton yet, but he has come on in the last three games. Okay. Uh, and to me, Che Adams hasn't been firing on all cylinders for Southampton, but he has been playing alongside Adam Armstrong the Southampton team. I think it's a matter of time before Broja gets a start. So if you are brave enough, you might have him around in your team. And look, if, if he comes on, has a chance of scoring. I think Southampton are not the most defensive of teams. Yep. Um, but you can also go for Adam Armstrong at 6.0 million. I think it's not a big difference uh, to have someone of 6.0 million and the fixtures they've got coming up. They've got Wolves, Leeds and Burnley um, as three of the games in the next four fixtures. Of course, the other one being Chelsea. But, you know, I think these two players are someone you could be looking at for your fantasy premier teams if you have um, other expensive players in and around them.
0: For me, I'm going to pick out uh, Alan Sam Maximum because I feel he's looking good. He's Newcastle's best player. Looking by, good as
1: in because he's... That his or? dance
0: move, not bad, bro. <laughs> he said he celebrated for his birth- son's birthday or something like that. But <laughs> honestly, on the pitch, he is Newcastle's best player by country mile. And that's why I feel he has a good chance of adding you some points. And I feel at 6.7 million, he's, he's, a, he's a worthy addition to to your team. If you think that he you need goals, especially if you're trying to fit more premium players in your team, then why not plumb for ASM?
1: Yep, and also I think with Callum Wilson out, uh, you could see uh, ASM uh, starring in the front 100%. line for, for Newcastle. All right, uh, let's now move on to next week's fixtures or rather this weekend's fixtures uh, in Who's Next? Right, this is Who's Next where we look ahead to matches in the Premier League whilst also picking out some FPL assets to consider. And do remember, for the forthcoming campaign, LifeNow will offer single match passes for the Premier League and provide a flexible option for football fans in Singapore with the ability to purchase pay-per-view
0: passes for one fixture per match week. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. We know you fellas listening love a good free gift. I do too. So don't forget to go to our Instagram or Facebook page at TFinalWhistle to find out how you can win three free Premier League match passes each week for yourself. And of course, this week's Live Now featured match is West Ham against Leeds United.
1: Um, You know, I I look at this fixture and I foresee a goals galore kind of game. Uh, Leeds United, they don't defend. West Ham, they seem to be really, really good in attack. Uh, I do see this game being a really good one. Um, And, you know, we talked about it earlier. Leeds United, they're not a team that is going to settle for a draw. They need good performances right now. Don't talk about points. They need good performances to get the fans some kind of happiness of course, and so on. Yeah. So do you consider this game to be a winnable or maybe a game that they could nick a point?
0: I I I hope for Leeds' sake because they're playing at home as well, so Ellen Road will be bouncing for yep. them to get their first result. But having said that, I don't know about Goldfest you know, because I watched the West Ham backline against Manchester United at the weekend, and that Ogbonna, uh, Kurt Zuma, I was going to say Zerkuma, Kurt Zuma <laughs> partnership really works, as in they are both solid central defenders who tend to thwart everything that comes at them. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think Leeds have firepower. I think Rafinha is an obvious choice. There's Patrick Bamford, there's Dan James. So there is goals in this Leeds United team. And I think Leeds might actually get their first win of the season this weekend. Although West Ham look good against Manchester United, I just feel at Ellen Road, Leeds are going to have a bit too much. Uh, I
1: disagree. So I've been watching Leeds and I, and I watched the game against Newcastle. Um... There are some players in the team that, you know, seem all right. Uh, but my concern is actually Patrick Bamford. Uh, lots of people have put their hats on him in terms of their fantasy Premier League squads. Uh, I don't see him, you know, getting to the heights of last season. Um, simply because I, I think that he's a striker uh, who needs confidence. Uh, right now, he looks way short of that uh plenty of times in the game against Newcastle he was you know given a good ball into the box but wasted it with a very bad first touch or was just very unsure of what he was doing and like like to your point uh, with West Ham looking good in defense with uh Ogbona and Kurt Zuma i think it's not going to be easy for for Benford or the rest of the Leeds attackers to to get a, a goal here uh i do see West Ham especially with the return of Antonio Mikel Antonio Mikel Antonio yes. who
0: who will... another dancer bro <laughs> yeah another dancer
1: <laughs> he will be purring he will be waiting to get onto the pitch for this one not sure if he will play against Manchester United at this time of recording uh, that game in the League Cup has not been played yet but I do fear I that... know he
0: hasn't been played I say he scores the winner against Manchester United you heard it here first <laughs> why, why? <laughs> just
1: gut I need to take or out off gut Murphy's Law <laughs> But I, I I do think West Ham will, will run out comfortable uh, winners here. Uh, I'd say like a 3-1 or, or 2-1. And that's something I wanted to do from this week onwards. For our Life Now featured game of the week, I want both of us to put our neck on the line. Oh, suddenly he buka <laughs> this one. From where bro? And, and and put in a prediction for this game. Okay. Uh, so I'm going with... Wait, a th- wait
0: what's at stake? We need a neck. Ah.
1: What's at stake?
0: Free pass, are you going to give me? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, what's at stake, we will decide la, depending okay. on whether I win or not. Uh, 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 I'll leave back down. <laughs> but I think uh, West Ham will run out 3 1 winners Oof. here uh, with Antonio getting on the score sheet.
0: Okay. Wow. So I must give you a score plus. Uh, now you don't have to, okay. but if you want to be bold. Okay. 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 Since you criticize
1: people who don't like to
0: keep. <laughs> 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 wow. Pressing the right buttons. I say uh, Leeds United to win this one. Two nil. Two nil. Patrick wow. Bamford at the double. <laughs> then the next time we get him on an interview, I'll say Eddie hey, say you don't know how to score goals. Hey, I didn't say that. I said that. What did I say? I say Bamford
1: looks unsure. Maybe he will get gain the confidence. Maybe and, you know. Let, let's just see. Uh the other matches coming up in the what weekends. Weekend? Yeah. Premier League. Wow. Chelsea taking on Manchester City. This is uh two of our favorites for the title this year, am I right? Yes. Well, you say Manchester United, no, but at uh, least yeah, at yeah. least two of the favorites. Yeah, two out of four. Two out of four, yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you see Chelsea winning this game? <sighs> this one I put my neck on the line got bad, or are you just no, asking my opinion? these are no opinion? bad. These are no bad. Look, Chelsea look bloody good. Chelsea honestly look very, very good. It's scary how good they look. And Chelsea look bloody good. <laughs> Get out. But anyway, I think Chelsea uh Going to prove that they have too much. They've already passed that test against Liverpool. Uh, With 10 men, they got a one-all draw, which I thought was a great result at Anfield. And that was one big test. They beat Spurs. I'm not saying Spurs are in contention for the title, but technically another big team beat them easily. And now they have another big test coming up against this Man City side. And I look at Chelsea's recent record against Manchester City. Of the last five played, I mean, they played in the FA Cup as well as the Champions League final. But Chelsea have won four. And only lost one. So, Chelsea have the history favours Chelsea. But it's not just the past that favours Chelsea. I think the present very much favours them. Purely because Lukaku didn't get a goal against Spurs. Mm-hmm. I think he looks like a guy who will go back and watch that video and see what he can do better. So, he will come up against City firing. And you said a couple of weeks ago, City are blunt in attack. I disagreed with you. After Southampton, I, m- I think you might be on to something. Mm-hmm. And maybe Lukaku is going to show them what they are missing. Mm -hmm. And look, we can talk so much about Lukaku being the 90 million, 100 million striker that's going to take all the headlines, but Chelsea have so much more to them. Thiago Silva, whose birthday is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday, Thiago Silva. Happy birthday, bro. Let me know (laughs) when you want to come on the pod. But yeah, honestly, the masterclass in defending he put in last weekend is just beyond amazing. And they have so much goodness in that Chelsea team that I just think... Chelsea will eventually run out winners against Manchester City. You know what's unfortunate about
1: this Chelsea-City uh, fixture? Is that it's happening on Saturday, Singapore time at 7.30pm. And at the same time, Manchester United are playing Aston Villa. Uh, I mean, one on TV, one on phone. I, I would love to do that, but I feel I can't concentrate on matches that way. But okay. I have to choose United right over, over uh, Chelsea City. But I would say people who are watching that game will be looking forward to the battle between Lukaku and Diaz, for, for example. Uh, moving on to another tasty, tasty fixture. That's Arsenal against Spurs in North London Derby. Bragging rights. I think this game is coming in at an opportune time for Arsenal. They look good in terms of getting their confidence back. Uh, yeah, 1-0 wins over Burnley and Norwich. Are, are Nothing much to shout home about. Uh, but, but they are shouting. <laughs> 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 but you can only win what's in front of you. And they've gotten two clinches in a row. Uh, and Spurs, boy, oh boy. Six Harry... goals
0: considered, none scored. Yeah, and Harry Kane looks... Harry uh... who?
1: <laughs> Exactly. Harry Kane looks a shadow of himself, uh, or rather his past um, record goal scorer kind of form. And to me, I think that is the worry because uh, you look to players like that, you look to your captain for confidence, you look to your captain for goals, you look to your captain for to show the way, and Harry Kane is not doing that. Uh, he seems to be one to get involved in everything that Spurs want to do. He drops deep, uh, he's on the left flank, he's on the right flank. I'm not quite sure what the plan is for him, but I think it's not going well for for Spurs and Nuno at the moment. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Nuno. Uh, I said it last season when he was in charge of Wolves. I think Wolves have good enough players to do much better and play much better football than they were playing under Nuno. Uh, And it's not gone right for Spurs so far. But having said that, uh, let's get one thing clear. Spurs were brilliant against Chelsea in that first half. To me, they were really brilliant. What went wrong in the second half, I'm not quite sure, but I think Nuno and Spurs did not quite react to the changes that Tuchel made at halftime by bringing Kante on. Uh, So
0: this game is good. Chelsea brought on Kante and Spurs brought on Oliver Skip. I think that tells you the gulf in In, options. Yeah, 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 yeah. for
1: sure. Uh, But I think that this game will be a good indication of where Spurs are at uh, as opposed to the game against Chelsea, because I think Chelsea are on a different level than than Spurs. But I think Arsenal given the start that they had to the season, uh, and then Spurs had a good start to the season. So in a way, you know, uh, quite a different starts for both of them, but they're both at different places at the moment. Uh, I do see Arsenal actually running out comfortable winners in this one because I don't think Spurs have much to offer. Uh, you talk about the games that they've won as well. It was all 1-0 victories and they weren't fantastic in those games. In uh, Arsenal, with the defence they've got at the moment, I think Gabriel is looking fantastic. Uh, the one worry is Ben White and Ben White has suffered aerially so far in the Premier League. Could Harry Kane take advantage of that? I'm not quite sure. Uh, But it's a good battle to look out for that one as well. But I do see Arsenal winning at least 2-0 or, or maybe even 3-0. Wow. Yeah.
0: wow. I, I, I'm not sure I agree, you know. I'm not sure I agree because I don't think Arsenal... Yes, Spurs are in a bad way. But I don't think... Arsenal are in a good way or in an excellent way. And that's what makes this contest so intriguing, right? Because per started off the season off to a flyer and then they've come crashing down to earth or else it's been the other way around for Arsenal almost. And that's why I think this battle is going to be fascinating. And Harry Kane, yes, he hasn't been in the headlines for the right reasons at all, but he loves a goal against the North. Uh, London rivals and I think he might eventually has to at some point a striker like him has to come through and why not come through against your team's biggest rivals and that's why I feel Harry Kane might have the final say in this weekend North London derby
1: well uh, definitely looking forward to that game uh, let's now round off the fixtures coming up in the Premier League uh, as I mentioned earlier Chelsea against Man City on Saturday at 7.30pm Manchester United take on Arsenal Villa at home at 7.30pm I'm quite sure Plenty, plenty of FBL managers will be putting their captaincy on Cristiano Ronaldo for this game. And Leicester taking on Burnley at 10pm on Saturday. Uh, Everton taking on Norwich City at 10pm as well. A a good game for Everton after the 3-0 defeat last time around. Uh, Leeds United and West Ham, of course, our live now featured game of the week on Saturday at 10pm. Watford and Newcastle, this is where I'm putting my hopes on.
0: hat-trick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Ismail is, is, sa. Ismail
1: uh, Brentford against Liverpool. Brentford, of course, at home. I think this is a tasty fixture to look forward to. Um, Plenty of people will be trying to captain Salah as well, simply because, you know, they look at it as a newly promoted team. Uh, But I do see Brentford maybe causing an upset in this one. Uh, what is I,
0: an upset? A draw is an upset?
1: Yeah, we consider uh, a draw as an upset. Uh, I do see Brentford forcing a point out of this. Uh, That's, of course, a Saturday night, Sunday morning, 12.30 a.m. fixture. Uh, On Sunday, we've got Southampton against Wolves. uh, And then, of course, Arsenal-Spurs at 11.30 p.m. And then a Monday night, Tuesday morning fixture is Crystal Palace against Brighton. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts before we go uh, on your captaincy for the week uh, in the Fantasy Premier League. Who are you going for, Raushan?
0: (sighs) Good question. I am inclined to go for... What? Mo Salah. Mo Salah? I think Mo Salah because I just feel you cannot look past the Egyptian at this point. He's in a good run of form. Yes, Brentford are a decent team. They've proven that they are one of the better teams that come up from the championship. But I just feel Liverpool have too much going forward at the moment. And that's why Mo Salah will be my captain's pick.
1: Uh, For me, it's a toss-up. I mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo. I think he's got to be in there. Uh, as one of the options but I'm actually very very interested in Antonio wow uh, who's going to play against Leeds uh, I do think that we cannot ignore the fact that he has started this season on firing on all cylinders uh, yeah cut aside I think besides that game he's been really really good he even
0: scored in Europe so the guy clearly has got the scoring touch yep yeah. uh,
1: but I'm not sure if he's going to play against United like, like you mentioned uh, I will wait for that fixture see how he does uh, and then and then decide on my captaincy. But to me, I think, yeah, it's between Ronaldo and Antonio for this week. Uh, Roshan, thank you so much for... Hey, hey, hey. Trivia. This. Ah. So I'm going to try again.
0: I said four earlier, right? I said three. Ooh. And for the first time, someone has won trivia. Yeah. i give you extra point if you know how many red cards he has, uh, yellow cards he has in his Liverpool career. Like in total? Yeah. Eight? Close. Seven. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, one more guess only. Nine. He has six. But not uh, bad.
1: Well done. Well done. I do remember that one of his yellow cards, besides the past weekend, was against Manchester United.
0: Yep. And uh, when Daniel James tried to take him down, yeah. but was unsuccessful. Alison's long ball, Salah scored, took off his shirt, You heard what Klopp said in the post match? Yeah, he said he won the He said even he would have taken off his shirt, but calm down, you know. Not can sure I to see down. that.
1: But yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Raushan. A brilliant week of EPL ahead for us. And good luck to all fantasy Premier League managers, especially myself.
0: Good luck, guys. I need all the luck I can get. See you soon.